You sit in church week after week, embracing the truth of God's Word. You believe the gospel and claim Jesus Christ as your Lord. Yet you continue to struggle with pornography. You feel like a hypocrite, returning to the sin you hate that mocks the God you love. You desperately wonder, is lasting freedom even possible? Yes, you can overcome pornography, but not alone. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Only by repeatedly running from sin to Christ with other believers can you hope to enjoy lasting freedom. You can live with purity and integrity. Take courage, seek accountability, and do whatever is necessary. Get equipped at accountabletoyou.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Um, this is going to be an interesting show because I'm just a ignorant history dude when it comes to Ukraine, Russia. I'm just going to pull my card. I've been to Russia one time. According there to Putin, all to, of us uh, St. Petersburg. You've been to Russia? I've been to Russia. I went to St. Petersburg. They I went a little mission and, trip and, and with I'm, our churches there. See, I've churches been to there Ukraine. Back here. Have you been to Ukraine? You so, preached in Ukraine. So, so, yeah. so between the two of us, and we, yes, we, we can I, go to war. And yes, I had McDonald's <laughs> in Russia. <laughs> I've been to Mexico. Uh, oh, oh, good. Good. That's, that's, that's very great. Yeah. Hey, Actually, that's probably more relevant. Kepler is an online marketplace for classical Christian education that assures parents maintain their agency without forfeiting the assistance and expertise of qualified conservative Christian teachers. Kepler offers university model courses in the classical tradition that fits your schedule and your budget. Visit www.kepler.education. That's kepler.education. And use our simple search tool to find the course and the teacher that meets your child's needs. Or simply, this is my favorite part, ask for help to get assistance from a real human being. Mm. I just want to call and talk to him. Yeah, just, just there's because real, real it, human beings there. Is this real? Yeah, yeah. Mm? Um, also, we want to give a little shout out to some of our friends uh, who are starting a new CREC church in Ontario, Canada. A new church plant launching in the Niagara region. It's a lush area full of vineyards and beautiful center, mm-hmm. scenery to explore. Yeah. If you are blessed to call Niagara, Canada home and are interested in participating in a new CREC church plant in your backyard, come join them as they begin their new work. It's located at 76 Ridge Road, Grimsby. For more information, contact us. Whoa. By email at CRECNiagara at proton.me. <laughs> Ooh, and, starting churches makes those, me happy. Those brothers, or, a, or call Ryan Harris at 416-419-3813. Ryan Harris is uh, is the point person for that. And if you know Ryan, he used to work for Joe Boot. Yeah, Joe and Boot. They're, they're starting a classical Christian school down there. So Ryan Man. actually left uh, Ezra Ministries to go focus on this build in Niagara. Man. Man. That's, that's, that's work, awesome. People. That's awesome. Let's Check them out. Check them out. Hey, yeah. we're grateful to have with us on the show today. Mr. Larry Taunton is an author, columnist with contributions to USA Today, First Things, The Atlantic. Spectator, CNN. He's a Presbyterian. New York Post. <laughs> he might not want that. And public. now he's been on Cross Politic. He's also a redeemed former cyclist. I don't even know what that means, but Larry, thanks for coming on Cross Politic. Well, it's great to be with you guys. What that means is that I was a 
very avid cyclist who was hit by a car Ooh. in um, 2015, and it broke my back in 19 places, oh. all my ribs, my neck. I have a metal plate here, so it just uh, it just is a little bit of a joke. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a joke. That's funny. <laughs> Wow. Not the accident, but the redeemed cyclist yeah. part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, praise God. We are glad you are with us. Um, so uh, we really want to um, dig down in this Ukraine-Russia thing. I watched uh, a video response from you um, a day after Tucker's uh, now. Uh, how many hundreds of millions? It's Two, about 200 million. 200, 100 million on X uh, interview with, with uh, President Putin. Um, I thought it was really helpful. I know you've written some on it as well. Um, how do you um, recommend that we begin to understand this situation with Ukraine and Russia? Where do we start? Well, uh, maybe maybe first I should say something about my experience in those countries. Uh, my first book, The Grace Effect, is something of a, by the way, reformed. It's a little bit of a uh, theological treatise on the concept of common grace. Okay. And, um, and it can, contains a little bit of a history of Ukraine. I wrote that book largely in Ukraine. So I've been in Ukraine, excuse me, I've been in Ukraine many times. I've been in Russia many times. And I did a master's in Russian and European history, uh, Marxism, socialism. And so um, Interesting. You know, I'm kind of a lifelong student of, um, of the East, of uh, Russia in Particulars, so I was very fascinated to see what was going to come out of this particular interview. But I, I think there's a couple of principles that, and, and by the way, I have a piece coming out. I think it's tomorrow uh, in the Federalist that lays out some of what I'm going to say to you right here. But um, the, the the principles I would give you is first, ignore the experts, the Western experts. And by the way, I don't I don't claim to be one. I claim to be somebody who has some. Uh, a very serious academic study uh, in these countries and uh, in some experience and lifelong interest. But, you know, when it, when it comes to um, understanding Russia, uh, the experts have almost always been wrong. And um, you, you know, some of the same people who are now telling us they know exactly what's going on with Russia didn't see any of what came with the collapse of the Soviet Union, for instance, and claim they didn't see uh, Putin's invasion of Ukraine coming in 2014. And it was obvious to anybody who knew anything um, at all about Russian history. So that's one thing. Second thing is I would say you have to understand that the Russian mind, uh, the Ukrainian mind, uh, are alien um, to Western thinking. You know, these are countries that never experienced a renaissance, a reformation, uh, an enlightenment, a so-called um, a scientific revolution, mm -hmm. or the French man purse craze. So they're, they're completely different in the way they process a lot of the issues. And, and so when Americans are watching, um, you know, Tucker Carlson's interview, with Putin, a lot of it comes off as very, very foreign to us and maybe even seems like a distraction. I assure you for Putin, it is not. And thirdly, um, regardless of which side of this you're on, you need to understand that Russia has always, and I mean always, viewed Ukraine as absolutely vital 
to their national security right. and survival. And then finally, I would say that there's, uh, from my point of view, there are no good guys in this war. Um, to criticize Putin doesn't make me uh, a pro-Ukraine. To criticize Ukraine doesn't make me pro-Putin. Um, there are three parties uh, in this war, the United States, Russia, and Ukraine. And as far as I'm concerned, um, there are no good guys. There are only victims. And um, the U.S. Mm. is perhaps the uh, the most villainous player of all. Hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, you so gonna stop right also, there like that? Wait, 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 wait! So, would, wait, uh, would, would you also <laughs> say that Putin was off on his historical assessment? Wait, wait, did of, you, wait, wait! Did you hear what he just said? Yeah. Were you listening? Yeah. He, he said the United States, States is the worst. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent! I totally believe that. I had no problem with that, like you guys did. <laughs> you guys, I'm not shocked. This well, is not my shock face about U.S. being the worst in all this. But, 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 I, I just want to know what he means. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what do you mean by that, Larry? Why, why is the United States the worst of them all? Well, a little, a little history here. You know, Putin laid out this very lengthy history, you know, beginning, beginning in the ninth century. And right. to Americans who have little appreciation of their own history and even less yeah, right. of, um, of other countries, history, um, this seems very odd. And, and there's a reason for that. Philosophically, you know, America was founded by people who are very consciously leaving their own histories, personal and national, behind them. They didn't want to remember them. You know, my own um, Irish grandmother who came to, to Canada in, when she was 17, she, you could never get her to talk about Ireland. She was not interested. Hmm. Uh, when my own mother went back to Ireland, uh, you know, to do some genealogical uh, research, her grandmother was, her mother rather, my grandmother was not helpful at all. She wasn't interested. Hmm. This, this is fairly typical of the people who came to this country. They came for a reason. They were often being persecuted. And they weren't interested in looking back. Americans are a very forward-looking, thinking people, not Russians. So hmm. when Putin begins in the ninth century and is laying out the argument, which, by the way, is, is accepted as historical fact, that the first Russian state was not founded in Moscow. It wasn't founded in yeah. St. Petersburg. Yeah. It was founded in Kiev. Right. It was founded in modern-day Ukraine. That's completely lost on us. Mm -hmm. I promise you that to Putin, it matters. But if we skip forward to the present, if all that seems like to belong to some mis misty, obscure, irrelevant past to the Western, particularly the American mind, what shouldn't be is the post-Soviet, uh, uh, that is to say 1991 period, where the United States has adopted and, and by the way, not just Democrats. It began with Clinton and has come straight through to Biden, which is to say Obama. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. has adopted a very aggressive policy towards Russia with the eastern expansion, the eastward expansion of NATO, right up to the very borders of Russia. This was a provocation. And the, the uh, toppling by uh, Obama CIA uh, in 2014, toppling right. a freely elected Ukrainian government, right. Putin's invasion was inevitable. It was going to come. They were never going to tolerate a non-neutral, pro-American, anti-Russian government in Ukraine. Wasn't going to happen. So uh, I think it's important to go back to 2014 here. Yeah, um, This was a blip on the American radar. Uh, it popped up in the news just a little bit in 2014, but no one really knows what happened. 
um, there was an election, uh, Larry, and here's where I'm, you can just take over from here, but there was an election in, in Ukraine in 2014 that Obama and the CIA got involved with and flipped. Yeah, well, um, that's exactly uh, what happened. And but let, let, think about this for just a second. And again, this article that will be out in the Federalist tomorrow, I believe, will lay out some of this. But NATO has existed for one reason, one reason only, and that is it was you know, birthed in the aftermath of World War II uh, with the Cold War, and it existed as a defense against a potential Russian invasion of Western Europe. Mm. Okay, that's the sole reason for its existence. Now, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, when I would be in, in say, Moscow or St. Petersburg as recently as 2017, but going all the way back to the early 90s, uh, as a student you know, of, of Russian history and, and, and culture, Russians would inevitably ask you, and, and uh, it's almost impossible to avoid political conversations with them. And these conversations inevitably took place over shots of vodka. And you see, <laughs> you see a very different Russian you know, yeah. after, after a few of those are slammed back. But they would inevitably ask you, why does NATO still exist? I mean, its opposite, the Warsaw Pact, had been dissolved. Mm. Why did it still exist? Now, during this interview with, with um, Tucker Carlson, Putin says he asked this question of then-President George W. Bush. Right. Bush replied and said, well, it's, it's not against you that it exists. It's to defend against a possible ballistic missile strike from Iran. Uh, Putin isn't an idiot, and he dismissed this as nonsense. And as proof, he said, then we said, well, then why can't we join NATO? Mm -hmm. if, it's, if NATO doesn't exist as a belligerent against us, right. then we, and we're trying, we're both trying to defend against Iran, why don't you let us join? And of course, he was rebuffed. It exists still, um, as a, a hostile military alliance against, uh, uh, against Russia. And, and listen, um, <laughs> this history matters as well. Before I was born, before any of you were born, there was something called the Cuban Missile Crisis, October right. 1962. Mm -hmm. yeah. And JFK, in my opinion, not unreasonably, JFK threatened Khrushchev threaten Russia with nuclear war if they dared put ballistic missiles in Cuba. Right. This was all part of something that, that George Kennan, a, a historian and statesman, called the domino theory. The domino theory was this idea that, that um, uh, Russian communism would, would bleed out from Russia and that countries would fall like dominoes to communism. Well, that was true. That was happening. I mean, throughout the Soviet era, uh, 1917 to, to 1991, um, Russia uh, remained very faithful to Marxist dogma when it came to global revolution. That is to say that the Russians were expansionist. Mm -hmm. But post-1991, when the Russians believed they were going to be accepted into the the um, you know uh, uh, community of free peoples of free nations, the U.S. enacted through its NATO puppet 
a kind of domino theory in reverse, where we were expanding and annexing um, states um, eastward towards Russia until we were not 90 miles as Cuba is off of the, the southern tip of Florida, but until we were on the very border of Russia. When, when in 2000 and what, 2004, I believe, uh, we uh, annexed Latvia, Lithuania, and mm -hmm. Estonia. Mm -hmm. all Russian border states. So not 90 miles off of Russia's border, not 50 miles, not 10 miles, but right on their border. And Putin says in this interview with Carlson, he said, still, we did nothing. And then he says, and he calls it the main thing in the interview. This is actually interesting and important. He says, then the main thing, you topple the regime a pro-Russian regime, a freely elected regime in Ukraine. And that's... 2014. 2014. Yep. He yep. says, and that's when we invaded the eastern provinces of Ukraine. And, you know, meaning they were never, ever going to allow Ukraine to be weaponized against them. So from Putin's point of view, he was acting preemptively in what he believed was inevitably coming that the U.S. had all along the intention of weaponizing Ukraine for a proxy war against Russia. And that's exactly what we've done. Wow. Hmm. So, Larry... Does this make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's, it's tons really of sense. Helpful, it's really connecting helpful. a lot of dots. So, Larry, why is the U.S. so interested in using Ukraine in this way? So they, they um, topple a... Um, I don't know if it was a fair election or not, but they at least toppled... Uh, changed the election in 2014... Uh, that's what got the current Vladimir elected, right? When when he elected in 2014, or is that 2000? No, he was a, he was president in 1999. He was elected in 2000. Okay. He's, okay. He has been uh, governing Russia for 24 years. I, I'm referring to Ukraine now. The, um, uh, oh, excuse me. You're yep. talking about um, um, yes, suddenly his name is everywhere. And so Zelensky. 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 Gosh, Zelensky. yes, yes. Is that so, when he goes into power is 2014? Uh, um, you know, I'm not sure of what okay. year he okay. became. Um, okay. So my, my, my question is, though, um, why is the U.S. so interested in in controlling the political dynamic of Ukraine? Well, I think that's a great, a great question. Um, I, I speculate on some of what I think is going on here, but I think the speculation is sound. Um, that is this. Uh, I don't. I don't think, for instance, that our set aside all of the rhetoric and the lapel pins and the you know uh, Ukraine emojis. Yeah. This government, the the Obama and Biden administrations, they don't care at all about Ukrainians. They are prepared to fight Russia to the very last Ukrainian. Uh, all of the rhetoric, it's not about making the world safe for democracy. It's, it's not about any of that stuff. They don't even care that Putin himself is a tyrant, and he is. They don't care that he's corrupt. He is. I mean, why don't they care? Because they're wannabe tyrants, and they're corrupt. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Putin has, has rigged elections. His, his main opponent is in jail right now. That's exactly what Democrats want to do. So they don't have any moral objection to Putin. What they object to with Putin is that he's not a globalist. 
hmm. uh, number one. Yeah. And secondly, because Putin um, opposes their nefarious aims in Ukraine. Now, he doesn't oppose them on moral grounds any more than they oppose him on moral grounds. Right. Rather, I think that Putin has decided if anyone is going to exploit Ukraine, it's not going to be you. It will be us. And we will not have a hostile on our border. We will not allow you to weaponize Ukraine against us. Now, to answer your question, why would they care? What is it that's going on in Ukraine? Well, we do know that it is a massive money laundering machine. Right. Hmm. We know this. I mean, uh, Congress voted yesterday to send what? Another, was it 60 or 90 right. billion that's being sent yeah. to Ukraine yet again, while our own infrastructure is deteriorating at a very rapid pace. Why are they doing that? Well, because politicians are enriching themselves. Um, a second reason is we also know that we have um, bio labs that are there for chemical warfare. Mm -hmm. This has been this has been demonstrated. Yep. Thirdly, Ukraine, and this is where I'm chiefly speculating. Ukraine is a primary source for human flesh for traffickers. Um, the book that I referenced, my first book, The Grace Effect, it is a history of Ukrainian corruption. Of human trafficking, and it is the story of our adopted daughter, Sasha. We adopted her mm. from Ukraine. I, we had to, I had to bribe every single government official but one to get that adoption done. Ukraine wow. is a deeply, deeply corrupt country, just like Russia. <laughs> just, just like Russia. But human trafficking is massive there. Now, guys, just a few weeks ago, I was in Davos at the World Economic yep. Forum is a kind of mole. You know, I, I, I'm just a party crasher. I show up and I just walk into buildings like I own them. And <laughs> people, people don't ask me questions. And I sit down and I find myself in conversation with former Bri uh, Prime Minister, um, UK Prime Minister, Theresa May, yeah. who had just given a presentation in which she was talking about how they, this some, um, you know, anti-trafficking commission, which seems to me to be a bit of a joke, that they were um, uh, preventing Ukrainians from being trafficked, these refugees, when they came into Poland. She said, you know, the Poles are, you know, uh, are just waiting on the doorstep, um, these traffickers to, to take these Ukrainians. So afterwards, I went up to her and I, you know, thinking I'm probably the only person in this room who was in Poland on the Ukrainian border to interview these Ukrainian refugees. I doubt Theresa May has been there. Hmm. If she has, it was some kind of uh, a ribbon-cutting ceremony. And I said to her, you do realize that Ukrainians do not have to leave Ukraine to be trafficked. They're being trafficked in Ukraine. Hmm. And, you know, she kind of <laughs> she kind of grudgingly acknowledged the truth of what I was saying, but she was looking to get out of the conversation. And it's very funny. You can look at this on my Twitter feed or in a documentary that we put out about the World Economic Forum, which I got to say, our team did a brilliant job with this. It's a very fast moving and uh, interesting um, documentary that is, you know, pinned at the right. top of my Twitter, yeah. uh, Twitter, my, my ex profile. You can see it there. But you will see <laughs> photos of my engagement with Theresa May. I mean, she initially greets me with, you know, almost giddy. And then you can see, <laughs> you can see from the pictures, you know, sort of this 
progression of deterioration. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I, all right. I, got, I, I just got, went to go look at the document. I got another question, but I'm going to, I got to read this ad real quick. And we'll come back. Uh, public houses or pubs are not just places to drink beer, wine, cider, or even something a little stronger. It is also a unique social center. Very often the focus of community life in villages, towns, and cities throughout the world. We here at cross politic hope to emulate that for you and yours. That's why you should grab yourself a pub membership at fight, laugh, feast, we need you on this ride with us, so pull up a chair, grab a pint, and join us on this ride at FightLaughFeast.com. Again, with a pub membership, that's how you get access to all our old conference talks. Um, we've got some uh, special projects, Gabe's This America cooking show, um, and all our backstage content goes up there for our pub members um, most days. So that's FightLaughFeast.com. Want to also mention that uh, Larry, he's mentioned the Grace Effect, also um, is uh, um, author of The Faith of Christopher Hitchens, um, uh, The Restless Soul of the World's Most Notorious Atheist. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it Doug Wilson? Is it Doug Wilson, your... Yep. Yeah. Your boss yep. there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I gotta say this. I gotta say this. I don't know if I, does Doug actually listen to your podcast? No. <laughs> no. He comes well, on, but he doesn't Doug, Doug wrote. Doug wrote a brilliant review of the faith of Christopher Hitchens, which was named Book of the Year by. I'm almost embarrassed to say it now by the Gospel Coalition. <laughs> but. Um, but Doug wrote a a brilliant review, a rave review of the faith of Christopher Hitchens uh, um, uh, for Christianity Today. Almost embarrassed to say that too now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but because he was someone we both knew and we both debated yeah. privately and publicly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. No, I, I I know I've I've heard him reference your book uh, a number of times, not just in those reviews, but I mean. I, well, if you see him, thank you. If you see him in the hall, thank you. Yeah. And tell him I'll buy him a cup of coffee sometime. Yeah. Yeah. All all right. Well, yeah, you, you definitely you got to come uh, you got to come hang with us uh, up here in the other Moscow. You haven't yeah. you haven't spent yeah. enough time in Moscow. Idaho. Bill Crystal <laughs> said this is the better Moscow today on Twitter. Wow. He said Moscow Idaho is better. Bill Crystal than Moscow Russia. <laughs> well, I was like, I guess I, so. I guess it, I can agree. You have that. lots of prostitutes there. Then um, <laughs> you know you would be like the one in Russia. Oh, oh. yikes! Um, so. We're almost out of time, but I think we got time. For, I, I want to. We're going to go backstage yeah, with Larry here in just I a second. But, my but may, maybe, <laughs> maybe just. I'm interested in a little, like zoom out a little bit now, uh, Larry. And um, what is your take, kind of, on the significance of this interview? With like, I mean, Tucker goes to Russia, um, you know, and has this conversation. I mean, I, I'm just wondering. Okay, there's you kind of zoomed in on the conflict and the corruption and and just all the international struggle, but what do you make of the sort of like journalistic cultural um, moment we're in with Tucker going there? His, this video is 200 million views on X. Um, wh what do you think's going on from that angle? Well, first of all, we're doing this interview via Zoom. So I just want to caution you in telling your interviewees to Zoom out. <laughs> so um, I, I, think, I, think you, I think you want to be very careful about that. <laughs> Fair enough. But the, um, the interview, yes, it has uh, 200 plus million views. That's just on X. On YouTube, it has north of 15 million. Now, that's more than 100 million for, than Sunday Super Bowl had. I mean, think about that. Wow, that's, what a that's pretty astonishing. And Tucker Carlson didn't have to have 
um, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift on in order to achieve <laughs> Dude, you forgot about Usher. <laughs> forgot about Usher. Usher. Okay. Make me wonder. We did manage to get them in. We did manage to make reference to them. And yeah. listen, I, I want to say this. Tucker Carlson has been subject to um, withering, um, vicious, repulsive personal attacks both before this interview and after it. I admire his courage in doing it. Listen, Putin... Putin has arrested, uh, imprisoned, and assassinated journalists, uh, allegedly, in his own country. I mean, Tucker Carlson had, had no guarantees. The uh, Biden administration <laughs> did everything short of assassinating Carlson in order to prevent yeah. the interview. They spied uh, on his uh, signal chats. Yeah, exactly. W last year when he was trying to set up an interview. So, with so Putin, Putin would be before. doing him a favor, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Listen, um, for um, three years, he says he's been he's been trying to do this, right. and um, he had no no guarantees. He's doing the interview. My heavens, in the Kremlin. I, know. I mean, I know. in ostensibly Putin's home. I mean, you ask the wrong question, you get Brittany Griner. You know, so you know <laughs> this 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 kind of thing can happen. So I greatly <laughs> admire Tucker Carlson in doing it, and I'm also appreciative of this. I think some of the issues being discussed. He wasn't conversant with because he's not a Russian scholar. Yeah. But I love the fact that he he didn't do what most modern journalists do. They see themselves as more important than the person they're interviewing. I mean, these these presidential debates drive me crazy yeah. where you have somebody like a Caitlin Collins who sees herself as really central and really important. Now, just a moment ago, we were talking about debates. I've debated Christopher Hitchens and you know Daniel Dennett and Michael Shermer, but I've also moderated uh, those kind of debates with guys like Richard Dawkins. Mm -hmm. And I've always viewed that my role is, is like that of a referee or an umpire. If you remember me, then I failed. Mm -hmm. My job is to not be an additional personality on the stage but to let you hear the arguments that this person is making and me having the, the um, respect for you that you're able to make some uh, uh, choices for yourself as to what you think. This is what Tucker Carlson did. He got out of the way and he let Putin speak and allow us to make some determinations uh, about the interview itself. That's really. Oh, helpful. that's where you're going to stop, huh? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me add this, guys. Let me add this. I think Putin did the interview because Putin, though he is corrupt, had judged that he has less to hide than the Biden administration in Ukraine. And I think that's 100% yeah. correct. Oh, well, I think, yeah. Okay. While, Putin, while Putin is himself corrupt, there's this difference between him and Biden. He is a Russian patriot, and Biden has sold his soul for personal gain. Oh, okay, we're going to talk right. about more wow. of that backstage. I'll, I'll, I also Larry. want to ask him backstage if he was doing the interview, what he'd ask him. That, right. you know? All right, okay. All right. All right, if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics, and we're going backstage with Larry because we got a bunch more to ask him. My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids and we were 
already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers.